Well, good morning, Applewood family. I want to welcome you this morning uh, to this time of worship of our awesome God. I want to welcome anyone else who is uh, joining us from, from other places. Uh, you might not be a, a part of the Applewood family on a regular basis. We're glad that you're here, glad that we can worship together. That song just so appropriately expresses the desire of my heart. Um, last night, uh, this morning, we look at our world and we look more specifically at, at our nation, at our city, and we wonder what on earth is going on. You know, how, how has it come to this? And, and I think that if you're like me, my, my responses are just kind of all over the continuum. You know, there's that sense of, well, you know, what, what can we expect? Things have been a mess for a long time. Uh, and, and then I swing to the other side and, and I think, well, you know, gosh, we, you know, we're, we're trying, we're doing the best we can, you know, things should be better than this. And, and then everything in between. And I don't know where your hearts and minds are at this morning, but my guess is they're on that spectrum somewhere. And, and along that spectrum also, there are emotions of just fear of, of concern, you know, the, the forever list of what if questions. And so knowing that and knowing that I think we all are sharing some of, of these emotions and, uh, and wonderings just seemed appropriate to, to, to give you a welcome this morning to, to remind you of our God's goodness to us, his people, even though things are hard and things appear to be out of control uh, the psalmist reminds us that our God is in his heaven and he looks down on the affairs of humanity and he knows what is going on and he is at work. So join me for just a, a brief word of prayer as, as we open this morning together. Mm -hmm. Oh, our gracious Heavenly Father, our exalted Lord Jesus, Savior, and King, Holy Spirit of God, living, powerful, vital in the lives of your people in this world. We come to you, our God, one in three, three in one, knowing what we always know, that we are so dependent upon you in this life, but circumstances around us perhaps make us feel that more keenly than we normally do. And Lord, we look at what is happening in our world and in our nation, our cities, in our very own city, and we recognize that the issues are complex. Oh God, uh, who has an answer? We recognize that people come to, to both sides of this divide, and there's a lot of blaming that goes on. But our God, what we truly believe in our best moments is that the culprit for the condition of our world is the human heart. It is not a matter of skin color. It's a matter of heart condition. And that 
human heart's condition is present in every human being, even those of us who are redeemed and have been given new hearts and new lives. We, we find ourselves forgetting what the real problem is. And because it is the human heart that insists on living life apart from the one who has created that, we, we recognize the trouble that our world is in. We ask, we ask, oh God, Holy Spirit, you who we have just sung to and asked that you would come in and change and renew and melt and mold and break and, and, and wash clean, would you fill us as your people with renewed truth, with great hope, with just an abundance of courage to be people who live into these dark days and these dark moments. God, give us the ability to make our lives more and more about you and your grace and your forgiveness, the hope that you offer to humanity through our Lord Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Guide us, we pray as we step through these days and as we walk with and alongside of others, help us to be a redemptive and hopeful voice in the darkness. And we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great song, Allie. Thank you. Holy Spirit, cause your church to hunger for your ways. Ah. Oh. Yes, yes. You probably have heard the name Aswan High Dam. It's, uh, it's in Egypt. It's a dam on the Nile River. It took 10 years to build. I was reading a little bit about it this week. 10 years to build from 1960 to 1970. It is enormous. It's one of the largest dams in the world. It's 375 feet high, and it's 11,000 feet wide. Now, the reason it was built was to stop the centuries-old problem of flooding and drought in the Nile River region. So, in 1971, at the grand opening ceremony, the 12 giant turbines with their 10 billion, that's billion with a B, 10 billion kilowatts per hour capacity, someone flipped the switch and they roared to life, generating enough power to light every city in Egypt. The modern era had come to a country that was still in many ways and in many parts, very primitive. Now, here's what I think is fascinating. During the 10-year construction period, the Nile River was never completely stopped. Even as the dam reservoir was filling up, water was allowed to, to flow out and, and through the dam. And the reason for that is because the people downriver depended on the Nile. They drank from it, they fished in it, they washed in it, they watered their crops with it, and the river itself turned their primitive mill wheels.
to grind their grains. They sailed on it. They wrote songs about it. The Nile River was their life. But on that day, when those turbans were turned on, there was a power that was unleashed that spread far beyond the people living downstream and brought possibility of a new life to the entire country. John Piper compares Pentecost to the opening of a dam. He writes this, Before Pentecost, the river of God's Spirit blessed the people of Israel and was their very life. But after Pentecost, the power of the Spirit spread out to light the entire world. Today, my brothers and sisters, this is Pentecost Sunday. It's been on the historic church calendar for centuries. 50 days after the final day of Passover, Pentecost. It's the Greek name. It's the Greek word. In the Jewish world, Pentecost was known as the Feast of Weeks, approximately seven of those weeks from Passover. And it was also known as the Feast of Harvest. Now, it's mentioned several times in the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament. It's one of three annual celebrations that God instructed his people to have after they had been delivered from Egypt. And it was a celebration of the early harvest. There were two harvest times in, in Israel, spring and fall. And the Feast of Harvest was a celebration of the, the early spring harvest with the hope, of course, of more to come. I had an aha moment this week. Now, I'm not sure why I've never put these two things together, but let me put some pieces together that, that turned on the light for me. In Matthew chapter 9, we read the following about Jesus. Now, this is fairly early in his ministry. <clears throat> these will probably be familiar words. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Now, there's a theme that we saw in Mark. That was Jesus' mission statement. He went through the region preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is near. So, Mark, Matthew tells us that he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In this brief text, we, we hear again the heart of Jesus for his mission to make known the kingdom of God, making the kingdom of God attractive in his words and in his actions. And of course, in just a few years from that point in time, he would make citizenship in that kingdom possible through his death on the cross. And his expressed desire is that there would be faithful workers who would share his passion for the kingdom of God, that would work with him to bring an abundant harvest of people who desperately need to live in that kingdom. Okay, so 
With that in mind, I've asked Teresa if she will read a few verses from Acts chapter 2 for us, part of the uh, Pentecost account, uh, and then we'll, we'll tie that in. So if you've got your Bible, grab that, and uh, I would encourage you wherever you are to uh, stand up. You can adjust your screen so that it doesn't show the pajamas that you're still wearing <laughs> on the bottom part of your body. And uh, let's read these words together. <clears throat> When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, all those who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to God. Thank you, my dear, for for reading that. I want to, uh, want to invite you to read the rest of Acts 2 later today. I know it's a familiar story, but please read it. Be reminded of the powerful mission that was made available in the lives of those who followed Jesus. That's what this day is about. The change in Peter's life, for instance, remarkable, pretty much unbelievable, when you realize that, that this is happening less than two months after he denied even knowing Jesus. And you remember, of course, the restoration story on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Peter was still in obvious despair over his lack of ability to love Jesus perfectly <clears throat> and completely. But listen to a part of the sermon that he gives the huge crowd of people that Luke describes as God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Listen to this. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Boy, sounds like a revival service to me. Now, let me connect the wires that made the light go on in my aha moment. And let's be honest, it's a glorious moment when any kind of light goes on in my head. <laughs> this event that we call Pentecost, again, Greek word, it means 50th. So 50 days after Passover. This event called Pentecost, known in the Jewish world as the Feast of Harvest, that is wire number one. Pentecost happens in the Feast of Harvest. It's, it's the same thing. And we, we just read that about 3,000 Jews who became followers of Jesus as a result of Peter's speech, well, that's wire number two. So I connected them and the light came on that this is a feast of the harvest celebration. This is an answer to the prayer of Jesus that there would be workers willing to go into the harvest field. This is a true celebration of the feast of harvest. Harvest of a different kind, harvest of humanity, a harvest of lost and broken people. This is the first harvest in the field of humanity with the hope and promise of more to come. Now, it's at points like this where I really miss being with you in the sanctuary because I can see the looks on your faces. There are looks of, really, guy? Yeah, I mean, you're just figuring this out. Maybe a look of disbelief that I would get excited over something so familiar, perhaps. But we know this stuff, right? We know that Pentecost is a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. It is, obviously, as we read, an empowerment of those first followers of Jesus. It is what we often refer to as the birth of the church. Again, Greek word, called out. It's those who have been called out of a life of sin. The church is those who are called out of a life of sin to live a new life that is focused upon making Jesus known in the world. Can I say that one more time? Mm -hmm. The church is those who have been called out of a life of sin to live a new life that is focused upon making Jesus known in the world. And by the way, I think that that is an excellent way to understand what Peter says when he says, repent and be baptized. He's not suggesting that baptism has anything to do with entering the kingdom of God. It has everything to do with making one's repentance public. Jesus said the same thing in his teaching. It's an emphasis upon going public with one's belief, making what I believe about Jesus public and making it known to others. How many times, how many people have we known through the years that think of Christianity as a, as a private faith? That's hogwash. That is not biblical. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father never intended for the message of redemption and the change that it makes in the life of an individual to be a private matter. So what does this mean, brothers and sisters? I think... On this Pentecost Sunday, I think it is a call to re-examine what we believe about the coming of the Spirit and His purpose for coming into our lives. Sisters and brothers, there are people all over our world, all across this nation of ours, who claim to be followers of Jesus. 
who believe this truth about the Holy Spirit indwelling them, who talk about being born again, who would agree with the sentiment of, I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. But I am suspicious that in the final analysis, what happens for many of us, if we are not careful, is that we minimize the true nature and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Rather than understanding his presence in our lives as the very presence of God, essential for obeying Jesus and making him known in the world, we tend to look upon him, and I'm speaking in generalizations, so forgive me, but we tend to look upon the Spirit of God as kind of a spirit of self-improvement, that, that he came to, to make us better people. Oh, yes, and, and he is the giver of gifts. And unfortunately, we end up misunderstanding and abusing those gifts. And all the while, our world, our nation, our cities are filled with people whom Jesus described as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's first century language, I think, describing someone who can lead and guide someone who can give us a reason for living, someone who can give us purpose in life, because like sheep, humans apart from God are dumb. And they try to navigate life without God. And, well, look around. This is what we get. I read a little bit more about the story around the building of the Aswan Dam. And as you might expect, it was not popular with everyone. Not everyone wanted it. Hard as it is to believe, not everyone was interested in what 10 billion kilowatts of power could do for them. There were changes in the land and to the living situation of many people that would be caused by the construction of that dam. And there were many people who, who did not welcome the changes that would come. Let's be honest, the life that Jesus offers it's not attractive to everyone. And the history of the world shows us that, that those who follow him and live for him, well, they're not always attractive to people either. They're not always blessed and appreciated. Often, they are ridiculed. They are persecuted. They are even killed. And here's the thing. Jesus does not apologize for that. In fact, he told his followers to expect it. Those days were coming. Did he not care that they died, that they suffered? Well, sure he cared. He was not a fan of his followers dying, but he was a fan of his sacrificial glory that would make possible the redemption of lost and broken people. And since suffering, we know, was necessary for that to happen then suffering would be necessary at times to make certain that people knew that truth. It was into an increasingly hostile culture that Jesus spoke these words in John 14 and then in John 16. Just listen. John 14, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I just comment on that, another advocate. That word, another, 
it basically means another that is the same as the first. It's not like another thing, a different thing. It's not like, well, here, let me give you another apple. Well, you can't have this apple and that apple. They're two different things. Jesus is saying this another advocate, he'll come to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, Jesus is saying, this is me coming to be with you forever. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you, Jesus in the present, and will be with you. That's the fulfillment of his promise to go with them to ends of the earth, to the ends of the age, no matter where they went. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's, that is the divine party of the Holy Trinity coming to inhabit these humble dwellings of our bodies. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Do you hear the language that Jesus is using? This is not a may the force be with you. This is a this person of the living Spirit of God will be with you. He will teach you. He will lead you. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Of what might they be afraid? Ridicule, persecution, and death. That's all. And there is no promise in Jesus' words that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, would prevent those things from happening. What he would do is remind them of the truth and teach them and encourage them and strengthen them and speak into their lives about Jesus. And then in John 16, Jesus says, it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Can you imagine how, how the, those, those first followers of Jesus must have just been so conflicted by that? Because they... They, they believe so much of what Jesus says to them. And, and if Jesus says this is a good thing, it must be a good thing. But, but how can life be good without you, Jesus? But what he's just told them is, I will be with you. I will be with you and you and you and all of my people that go into this world. I will be with all of them at the same time because I will not be limited by this physical body that I am in. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So let me tell you the point of all this. And to do so, I want to use my spiritual gift of pointing out the obvious, because you know that I have to use my gift. Sisters and brothers, fellow followers of Jesus, our world and the people in our world need to know Jesus Christ. They need to experience his grace and his forgiveness. They need to experience the inpouring love and gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you probably knew that already, right? 
but do you also know that, that we are the ones who he left with the charge of getting the word out? So my question for you this morning is, how are we, his followers, making him known to others? We will not. In fact, we cannot, apart from the power that indwells us. And I believe that, that Jesus gives us in those words of teaching permission to recognize and acknowledge the personhood of God who lives in us called the Holy Spirit. Do we commune with him? Do we call out to him in desperate need? Do we recognize how much we need him and how we can't do anything apart from him? When I started thinking about and planning this Pentecost Sunday sermon, I had no idea that our country would be in the condition that we find it fear, anger, distrust, corruption, violence are spilling over in the cities of our country. Went to bed last night thinking, wow, what a season for Pentecost. And, and I woke up thinking the same thing. So, so let's be very clear about the reason this day is on the church calendar. Let me just say some, some clear statements that we need to, to cling to and stand on about the meaning of this day and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has not been given to us to make our lives better. The Holy Spirit has not been given to us to make our lives better. Now, as we listen and allow our lives to be guided by the Spirit, the truth in His Word and the truth that we see in the life of Jesus, there's a good chance that we're going to become different and better people. But that's not the primary purpose. No, he indwells us to make our lives like Jesus. And if that's happening, that will be a better person. The Holy Spirit has not been given to call attention to us. Too often, I think, church battles over the gifts, and it was happening in Corinthians, and Paul addressed it. We make things about us. The Holy Spirit has not been given to call attention to us. He indwells us so that we and everything that we say and do will call attention, you got it, to Jesus. That's why he's in us. The Holy Spirit has not been given to us to help us feel good about ourselves. No, he indwells us so that we might forget about ourselves. And in the process, point others to the only source of hope for their lives, the love and forgiveness of God made available through the sacrifice of his son. And finally, the Holy Spirit does not live in us so that we can enjoy safe and secure lives. He indwells us so that we, being secure children of God, might risk whatever it takes to see others join us in the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. All of these truths are going to, to shape our thinking for the next month or so of Sundays as we give ourselves to the study of, of John 15. That's that classic chapter where we, we read about Jesus, his teaching about the vine and the branches, and also 
his warning about the world's hatred. And, and it's a chapter that, that I think is strategic because it, it, it follows the promise of the Holy Spirit and it precedes his teaching about the Holy Spirit. John 15 is a Pentecost text where we will hear again and again those words of Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I just happen to believe that nothing means nothing. So brothers and sisters, I, I close by asking you, by asking myself this morning, if, if we believe that the Spirit of God indwells us in these ways and for these reasons that we've just mentioned, and it is the Spirit of God then who will live in us and through us to speak to those who are harassed and helpless people, calling their attention to the one who is the good shepherd and savior of their souls. How are we doing with this? How am I doing with this? Am I going through each day with many prayers and purposeful focus upon opportunities that may come in conversation to, to bring Jesus into it? Am I living my daily life in surrender to the one who comes to fill me with the truth of God for the sake of making Jesus known? Am I doing that? Are, are you doing that? Brothers and sisters, we, we are desperate for that kind of activity on the part of God's people in this world in this country, in this city. Amen. Lord Jesus, Savior and Redeemer, you entrusted us with getting the word out. And you left us the Spirit to give us power to do that speak into our lives on a daily basis. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are open and courageous to step out in confidence to make Jesus known, to call attention to him and never to us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you've not left us on our own. You've sent your spirit to guide us to teach us, to help us to live lives for your glory. Um, just as Guy shared the story about the the dam that brought power to all of Egypt, um, I'm also reminded of the story that of the woman who was connected to the power and she never turned the, the switch on, Lord, that, um, that we wouldn't try to live this life under our own power, but that we would constantly, morning, noon, and night, and every moment in between, and we seek to be led by your spirit, um, not for our sake, but for your glory and um, as a blessing to those around us that, that we would bring them into the harvest, um, that they would come to know you. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, in his name we pray. Amen. My Applewood family, it is a bold song.
It is a bold prayer that the spirit of the living God would revive us again. And again and again, however often it is needed, so that we might be those people who are living lives that point to Jesus, giving credit to him for anything and everything that might be good in our lives, pointing to Jesus. Opportunities for for prayer, a good call to prayer for us. I want to remind you that there are a group of us that gather together on Wednesday nights via Zoom, and we pray. And there's plenty of space for any of you who want to join us. You can uh, you can check with Carrie, and she will give you a link to that so that you can you can find that. Come join us uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday nights. I know that many of our our life groups are meeting together and spending time to pray together. Uh, These are good days to be expressing our dependence, our utter desperation upon our God and doing it together as his people. Amen. Amen. Now, before we break out into groups, for those of you who want to stick around, our host will put us into some some groups for just a chance to chat and discuss Mm -hmm. and catch up. Uh, Sarah Lynch is on one of these screens somewhere. Justin, if we can give attention to Sarah, she wants to uh, just tell you all about a special event that's happening this afternoon. Sarah, are you out there somewhere? I'm here. There you are. (laughs) All right. Well, I think y'all can hear me. Oh, there we go. Um, So speaking of those good things from God and those ways that we can be dependent on him, today is a day that we're celebrating that we have his word, that our kids are learning it and putting it in their hearts. Um, so we're going to have an ice cream drive through party today. So uh, it'll be at the church from 2 to 4, and feel free. You don't have to stay if you don't feel comfortable, but come get some ice cream. Um, if you do stay, we're going to try and keep the social distancing and we park every other space if you want to talk and stuff. But uh, we just and honor our kids for all the work they've put into learning God's word this year. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, and one more impromptu. My wife has something she wants to uh, invite the ladies to. Well, I just got an email uh, yesterday from uh, someone in our congregation who is encouraging our women of our church to join together to pray for our nation. And I'm guessing this has been planned for a while. It's Anne Graham Lotz. And it's Turn to Jesus, and it's from 6 to 7 Mountain Time. And um, it's there. there's a link available. Um, I don't know, maybe Carrie can get it out to all the women of our church, but I feel like it's quite the season in the life of our country when coming together to pray for our nation would be incredibly great. So just another opportunity to Amen. turn, I mean, the Holy Spirit. It's all about prayer. <laughs> Amen. Let's live with Amen. courageous purpose for Jesus. Amen. Blessings on you, Applewood family. All right, Justin, we're all yours. Break us up, man. <laughs>